Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. What a privilege it is to be able to worship God and to worship God with, with you and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it? Well, back in 2007, uh, my family, me, my wife, uh, Jonathan, uh, who plays the bass up here, and my, my youngest daughter, Amber, who's serving in Portugal right now, uh, but we took a trip with my dad in his motorhome. We flew out to Kansas City and met him there, and then we headed west and north and all the way around. And at some point in that trip, we ended up in Colorado at the Royal Gorge. How many of you have ever been to the Royal Gorge? All right. See, <laughs> my dad's been a pilot, was a pilot for years. I've been in the air a lot. But something about walking across a bridge that you can see down between the cracks a thousand feet bothers me. <laughs> but I do it. Um, but I, I totally lost my mind at this place because I agreed to go on one of those really high swings out and over the gorge. I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I wasn't thinking, right? So I'm standing in line with, with John. John is a doing this with me and we're standing in line and we're just chatting talking and I get this strange feeling underneath here that is this really a good idea <laughs> and the closer I get and I start watching I'm thinking I don't think I really have thought through this very well at all and then I'm out there and they're strapping us in okay and they say okay this handle here when we tell you to you pull this handle <laughs> okay I got a man up, my family's there watching, my son's there, all these little girls waiting in line to do it, you know. And um, so I did it. They strap us and then they begin pulling you. They pulled me six or seven hundred feet in the air, I think. That's not true, it was probably 50. But it really felt like, wow, this is high. And I thought, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. Pull the ripcord, this is really crazy. And I screamed. And I think John has hearing loss in one of his ears to this day. I don't know. But, uh, what, what, and it was fun after that. The rest of it was fun. But what it hit me is, is I, I think about my life and how I live life. That that's, I don't live life that way. Some of you do. And that's a condition, okay? But most of us don't like to live our lives that way. I don't like to live my life that way. I like to, to know all the answers before I start. Anybody else kind of like that? I want to know everything that could potentially go wrong. I want to figure out. I want to see it all ahead of time. I want to understand ahead of time. I want to be assured and, and feel assured ahead of time, whether it's a financial decision, a, a relational decision, a, a, a work decision, uh, the purchase decision, whatever, right? I mean, I want to see. I want to see ahead of time. Um, so anybody in here sympathize with me? Yeah. Okay. Right, because when you don't, 
you end up 50 feet above the, the ground with somebody telling you to pull a ripcord. And uh, you don't know how it's going to go. So we, I try to avoid those things in life. But the Christian life isn't like that. We don't get to live it that way. Um, we don't have to live it like you don't have to go climb in a harness either. Okay, I'm not saying that. But we don't get to see ahead of time, to know everything ahead of time, to be assured of everything ahead of time, to have it all understood ahead of time. Today, we're, we're looking at another facet of faith, and it's visionary faith. And we're going to look at the life of Abraham. But the idea of visionary is not visionary necessarily in the way you normally think of visionary, but it's visionary in the sense of faith enabling you to see what you need to see when you need to see it. And so we want to talk about that today. But in the Christian life, very clear on more than one place in Scripture, it says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And what's the word walk typically mean in the New Testament? How we live our lives, right? We live our lives by faith, not by sight. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at a um, situation in your life and trying to see what's coming, what's involved. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with trying to be wise and making your decisions. But when it comes to living as a Christian, what you discover is that there's something that needs to be in front of that. So, so if we, here we are, let's say, here's the decision. Here's the decision. And by nature, as we're, we're headed up to this decision, we want to see everything and understand everything and have it all figured out before we, and we want to feel okay, right? Before we make that decision. Now, but what the Christian life brings us to many, many times from God, it, you know, we want to see that from this side of the decision, but God says, no, no. You trust me, and then I'll show you those things on this side of the decision. Now, is that clear? Does that make sense? Right? So that's if we want to see it all over here, but God says, no, no, step out in faith, and then you'll see. I'll show you. Now, this idea of faith coming first is a, it's a principle we find in the book of James. Let's look and turn our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 1. It's page 1386 in the Bible that's under the chairs there, and if you don't have your own Bible with you, or you'd like to follow along in the version we're using, which is the New King James, you can pick that up as well. Follow on page 1386, James chapter 1. James is talking about their trials and tribulations and, and decisions they need to make. And so as they're facing these things, in verse number 5, he says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So have you ever had to go ask somebody a question you felt stupid asking? Or they made you feel stupid for asking? That's not God. God is not that way. You come to him sincerely saying, God, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. He's going to give it. And he's going to give it freely. And he's not going to shame you for needing to ask and not knowing, okay? Then it says this, though. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So what is this about? He's saying, 
that there's a faith aspect has to come first. Now, when we start talking about faith at the beginning of the summer here, you remember, we said that there's two, two components to faith that are intertwined. Remember, one is, is what you know. You know something. You know who God is. You know what his word says. Maybe you, you know something. And then you not just know it, but you do what? You choose to trust it. You, you, you actually step out and, and uh, do it. And so when you bring those two things together, this knowing that chooses to trust, we have what's faith, biblical faith, living faith, James 2 kind of faith. And, and so what God is saying here, you need wisdom, ask me, I want to give it, but you got to give it in faith, you got to ask in faith. Well, what does he mean? Well, it's the idea of this. Okay, if I'm asking God for wisdom, who knows better than God? Who gets it right more than God? I mean, he always gets it right. He knows the best ways. He knows the timing. He knows all this stuff. And I'm asking God for wisdom. Okay? He says, I got to ask in faith. That means I know that whatever God tells me will be good and true and right. And I am what? Going to do it. That's asking in faith. I've already settled the issue ahead of time. So here we are. Here's the decision. We're looking at the decision. We don't know what to do, and we ask God for wisdom. God, we need wisdom. We need to know, uh, you know, when and how and where. We need your wisdom on this. We need to have already settled ahead of time that whatever God says is what? What I'm going to do. And that's what asking in faith means. So faith comes first. But we're over here saying, hey, God, what's your wisdom on this thing? Tell me what you think. And I'll consider it. God doesn't work that way. He's not just another opinion on the table, right? Does that even make sense? God, you absolutely know best about everything there is to know. You know perfectly. So tell me, and maybe I'll do it. Right? So, this is the principle, but faith first. What does God say? That's what I will do. I'm going to trust God and do it. That comes first. It has to come first in the Christian life. And so someone say, well, don't you have to see so you can believe, right? We have to be able to see. Well, God, okay, that's what you say, God, but you've got to show me everything that's going to happen. I've got to feel comfortable with this before I can go with you, God. And God said, no, no, no. We're going to turn this around. You need to believe so you can see. You need to believe me. And then you will see what you need to see. And when you believe me, you will also see things you never expected to see. You're going to see me, God says, when you step out in faith. So let's go to Abraham's life and take a look at this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. We've got a, a bunch of story to look at here, the story of Abraham. And it starts here in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham has been living in um, the country of Ur that's way down in, in the Babylonian era, and he came up. And, but, so God calls him out of that. Verse, uh, chapter 12, starting verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a big thing, isn't it? Not a lot of details, are there? Okay, so if the Lord somehow rather communicated to you and said, you know what, I want you to, uh, you know, sell your house, sell your stuff, I want you to get in the car and I want you to go to a place I'm going to show you. Which direction am I supposed to drive? I'll show you when you need to know. Just go. But where am I ending up? Do I need winter clothes? Just go. That's a big ask, isn't it? Of someone. And this is what God has done with Abraham, Abram at this time. He's still Abram. And, and one of the interesting things is that he's going to make nations of you, Abram, but Abram doesn't have any kids. And as we'll see in just a moment, he's already 75 years old. Okay? So this is what God has said to him. This is this, this point, this decision. Abram, here's what I want you to do. Go. Abram undoubtedly has lots of questions. We don't know what he thought about it. We don't know what he may have asked. We don't know. But what we do know is in verse number four, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So what did Abram do? He took, takes a step of what? Faith. God has said it. And if God has said it, I should do it. If God is, it's good, it's right, I should do it. I don't have all the answers. I can't see all those things. But you know what? I know God and I'm trusting God. And he did it. Huge step of faith. And it's, it's the beginning of a, of a long story that we're going to look at parts of today. Go over to chapter 13. Go over to chapter 13 and verse number, we'll start in verse number 7. Abram and Lot have been in the land for a while. They both have herds. Lots of livestock, and it's become a problem having them all grazed together. There's too many, you know, there's you know, limited wells, and all this, so there's a problem. Verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And that sets up a whole other story that we're not going to look at today. But I want you to see something here. When God told Abram to go, he said, leave your father's household. Leave your family behind. And for the most part, he did it. Except for who? His nephew Lot. Now, I don't think we ought to fault Abram in this. This is his brother's son. The, 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 his father, I think, was dead. And so Abram's trying to you know, care for him, and he's still leaving. But he reaches a point where this is creating a problem. He has a decision to make. Is he going to 
trust God here or not? And he does. He chooses to send Lot away. And he lets Lot choose, right? Abram doesn't know what he's going to end up with. He trusts God. He lets Lot choose. And so now he has actually left all of his household behind, the whole family behind. He's no longer got any of them. I want you to see something. Verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, what's the next word? You guys out there? After. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see. See, he's seeing. I give to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. But I want you to see something. So this, this faith decision, Abraham took a big step of faith. He went. He didn't get all the details right. He finally reaches the point where he finishes this last detail, trusting God in it. And it says, after this, God showed him things. You see that? Yeah. Not before. He just kind of knew in general. But after, after Abraham continues this step of faith and trusting God, now God shows him. Now God says, lift up your eyes and look and see. And look north, south, east, west. All this land is yours. I'm going to make your descendants as the dust of the earth. Nobody can count them more and more. So what we see is that when Abraham takes a step of faith, that he sees more and sees more clearly. Do you want to, and it isn't necessarily what you might have expected to see. But he starts to see what God is doing. God is telling him, here's what I'm doing in your life. All right? So when we take that step of faith, what God will do is enable us to see more than we now see and to see more clearly. So let's just think about this with respect to any decision we're making. There's the decision, right? And I'm thinking, I need to see this. I need to see how much is it going to cost me. I need to see, well, where's that money coming from? I need to see, how am I going to explain this to my family? I need to see whatever, right? All these things. And, but I make the decision. I, I can't see all that stuff, but God has said do something. So I, I make the decision in faith. I do it. And now out here, I see more and I see more clearly. But it's not necessarily how much it's going to cost. He may not show me that. He may not still show me where the money's coming from. He may not still show me how I'm going to explain it to my family. He may not still answer, oh, this is, but all of a sudden I see God at work. You see what I'm saying? You see? <laughs> I see God at work. He's showing me what he's doing. And so I'm saying, okay, God is doing something here. Even though I'm not seeing all this other stuff I might want to see, I can see that God is at work. All right, so let's go over to chapter 14, toward the end of chapter 14. Uh, Lot ends up in the city of Sodom. Uh, an enemy army comes through and takes all of them away. Abram takes his servants and he goes and rescues Lot from them. And he brings back Lot and all the stuff that came from Sodom, all this money, riches, and wealth. And on the way back, he meets the king of Sodom. And the king of Sodom, you know, well, we'll see it, but saying, hey, you keep the money, just let me have the people back. And, and Abram, we find that Abram has made a commitment to the Lord. So let's look here in verse 21. 
Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you, the king of Sodom, should say, I have made Abram rich. And then he just says, give the, what has been spent by these people and used by these people. But other than that, nothing. So this is a faith commitment, isn't it? Somehow or other, whether it, when this process began, this particular event, or at any other point in time, there's this decision, and Abraham sees it, and he says, I need to make this commitment that I'm not going to let the king of Sodom make me rich, whatever. I'm not going to take anything from him because I'm looking to God, not to this human being, and I don't want this wrong story being told. And so he makes the commitment. And so the time comes. Under normal circumstances, the conquering army does what? Keeps the spoils. But Abram has made a commitment to God, a faith commitment, said, I will not do that. So he's taken this step of faith. All right? Let's continue reading. Verse 15, or chapter 15. What's the first word? After. After, after what? After this faith commitment. He knew something and believed it and did it. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now think about this. God has been telling him, I'm going to make you a father of nations. Your descendants are going to be the dust of the earth. Abraham says, Abram says, cool. I don't have any kids. Right? And under the, the culture at that time, his top servant, the servant of his household, probably the steward of all his goods, would have been the heir. And so he's asking, how does this work, God? So I want you to see this. We saw in James this principle, right? If you need wisdom, do what? Ask God. And he'll give it to you. He's not going to shame you. It's, it's not wrong for you to ask the questions. Okay, here it is. It's, it's God, I, I, you, I believe you've led me to make this decision. I can see that. I, I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know where the money's coming from. I don't know how I'm going to talk to my family about it. There's lots of things I don't know about it. There's nothing wrong with asking these questions. But then you say, but God, you have what? Show me that this is what I'm to do. So by faith, God, I, I make this decision. Now I'm over here. There's nothing in the world wrong with saying, okay, God, now, how much is this going to cost? Where's the money going to come from? I need you. Nothing wrong with asking those questions, but what have I already done? I'm not asking the questions over here before I decide, right? I've already decided. I am going with God. I am believing God. I am placing my faith in God. Okay, God. <laughs> I'm over here, and I'm going to continue going. So, Nothing wrong with asking those questions. And Abram asks that question. And God gives him an answer. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. You're going to have a physical descendant. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, right? Open your eyes and see. 
Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So Abraham again, what? Sees more. And he sees more clearly, but that's on this side of that faith decision. It's not on that side of the faith decision. It's on this side of the faith decision. And by the way, this can't be a fake decision. A fake faith decision. <laughs> you can't be, okay, I'll do it, God. Uh, let's see. <laughs> right? We aren't talking about that. It's a genuine decision. But it's on this side of the decision that you see more. And you see more clearly. And I want you to see what it does in Abram's life now. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he, God, accounted it to him for righteousness. But I want you to see some. This is a big verse for a lot of reasons, but I want you to see something. After Abraham now sees more, he sees more clearly, he has assurance. Assurance that leads him, I can believe God. I do believe God. I chose to believe God, and, and God has confirmed this decision. I have an assurance about this in my life. And by the way, this is huge because this is used all through the New Testament to teach us that we are saved by faith, not by works. This is a big thing. Okay, huge. It's because Abram took a step of faith, saw more, saw more clearly, and then experienced this great assurance in believing in the Lord. I can't tell you, I mean, I, I could sit and we could talk and remember stories of times in my life, Glenda in my life, when we have, here's the decision God leads us to, boom. And humanly speaking, you're going, okay, God, yeah, I don't, you know... And I know people who are listening on, on the podcast can't see the, eh, right? But there's this, there, even in trusting God, sometimes you have that, okay, but you do it, and you go for it, and you trust God, and God is so good. I don't know how many times on this side I've gone like, wow, was that the right thing to do? I, I have this assurance that God is working, because I, I can see it. He's showing me things. I'm seeing that God is real. I'm seeing how he's providing. I'm seeing how he's leading. And, and so we get assurance from him. All right, let's continue. Uh, head over to chapter 17. In the meantime, Abram makes some... Um, <laughs> he walks by sight some. Abram's not perfect. <laughs> he walked by sight some, made some pretty mix, big mistakes, caused them... Troubles along the way. But overall, he has continued to walk by faith. Verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. There's that, that claim again. But I want you to see something. Um, Abram, God is telling us that God says, verse 1, walk before me and be blameless. Abram has a faith choice to make, doesn't he? Am I going to believe God? Am I going to continue to go with him? It's been 14 years since I've had this kind of specific leadership from God. Am I going to go with it or not? And I think when it says he fell on his face before God, that was him saying yes to God. It's a faith decision. And then he says, okay, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. He sees more. He sees more clearly. And then God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. 
for I have made you a father of many nations. Any kids yet? I mean, there's a kid, Ishmael, that's another story. There's no kid that God has promised yet. But he says, it's a done deal. That's what God says here, doesn't he? I have made you. It's a done deal. And no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant. This is new info. An everlasting covenant. Wow. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. And so he's seeing more. He's seeing more clearly. He's having this. God is giving them, him this assurance. His identity has been changed, hasn't it? Now, he's still Abram. But now he's called Abraham. But... Abraham means, or excuse me, Abram means high father, exalted father. Abraham means father of multitudes. Okay. We didn't read it, but he changes Sarah's name too, from Sarai to Sarah. Sarai means prince, or my princess. It's a possessive form, my princess. Uh, Abraham, my princess. And God takes that away and just calls her princess now. Because she's not just Abraham's princess anymore. She's also going to be the, father, or the mother of multitudes. But where does this happen? Which side of the faith decision and walk does that new identity show up? It's not on this side. You stay on this side, you will always be the same or worse. When you make this faith decision, you begin walking with God and you keep making that faith decision, you keep living it out. At some point, you will no longer be the same person you were before. And it's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. I am nowhere near the same person I was when I received Christ in 1975. No way. Changed in so many ways. Plenty of ways still need to change. But so God is at work. Now, God's going to give Abraham another faith challenge. Verse 10. Of chapter 17. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Wow. All of a sudden, this got real personal, didn't it? It really did. Personal, kind of scary. Uh, that's a hard thing to ask or to say. God isn't asking, he's commanding. But so Abraham has a choice to make again, doesn't he? Verse 23. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins. Catch this next phrase. That very same day as God had said to him. Abraham has experience now walking with God. 
Abram has experience seeing these faith choices and stepping up and saying, God can be trusted. I'm going to trust him. So much so that now the most personal, probably the hardest, the most challenging, how do I even explain this to all the people in my household? How do I explain? The matter. Today, this very same day, God has said it, I'm going to do it. And the only way he can do that is because why? Because he has repeatedly made these faith choices and it enables him to see that God's going to work. God has a purpose. The best decision I could ever make would be to do what God says to do. When you're on this side of this decision over here and you're looking at it and you're looking at it from a purely human perspective with just your, you know, you're bringing your mind to bear and I said, that's not wrong, trying to figure this stuff out. But the idea is, I can see no logical way for this to have a good outcome. And when I start from here, and this is all I consider, I can't, many times, when, what God says do, I can't see how that's even logical. But if you start with God knows what he's talking about. God is a good God. He's powerful. He's able. All, all these things. And so I'm going to do what he says. And you go, hey, since this is true, Wow, this is logical. It does make sense. You're not abandoning logic. You're just, when you try to reason from here, it takes you one place. But when you reason from your faith decision, it takes you another direction. And it is logical. The most logical thing you could ever do would be to trust God and do what he says. Just let that soak in. If you go away with nothing else, if you always remember, the most logical thing I could do right now would be to trust God and do what he says. That would be huge in your life. Let's go to chapter 21. And hang in there with me, okay? It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he... Oh. I need, to, I need to step back from something just a minute. What I want you to see is this. When, when God says, do the circumcision, it says that same day Abraham did it. Not only is he seeing and seeing more clearly, not only is he experiencing assurance, he has, it's now led him to embrace God and God's word and God's ways in a new and powerful way. I'm not just... When we make this faith decision... Here we are, we meet. we're going to go with God and we step over here and we start to see more clearly and we have assurance. It's very likely that there's still a tentativeness here, right? I haven't been down this road before. I'm not sure there's tentativeness. But if, as we walk down this, this road with God, not only we get assurance, but this assurance becomes such that we now embrace what God says. You get what I'm saying? We embrace him. His word. We're hanging on to this. This is the best. I, I can't imagine living without it anymore. All right. Chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah can... By the way, God always does what he says he's going to do. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. God had told him to name him Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. So God, Abraham's doing that. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now we're talking about supernatural stuff, right? So do you see, 
this whole progression in Abram's life, what probably started slow, what probably started tentative, has picked up speed in his life. There's assurance in his life. So much is embracing. So now the day things happen, he trusts God. You know, we may be over here for days, weeks at a time saying, oh, I need to trust God. Yeah, you know, we're trying, we're struggling with this decision. May we make it and we're tentative and the next one comes and we're, we're still kind of, you know. But Abraham has reached the point where here's what God says. I believe him. I'm going to do it. Bang. And off he goes. Abraham has been changed, hasn't he? Let's go to chapter 22. The hugest faith challenge God gives Abraham in his life. Verse number one. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he, God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Okay, so here's Abram, and God says, take your only son Isaac, go sacrifice him, take his life, offer him to me as an offering. What would go through Abraham's mind? What would go through your mind, my mind? The Bible says he loved Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfilling of all of God's promises to him, Right? All of this thing. And so the thought, I can't imagine, but would go through his mind that would say, but wait a minute. Isaac is the fulfillment of his promises. If I sacrifice him, then the promises don't come true. And if God's not going to keep his promises, why should I do this? But Abraham's life of trusting God and experiencing God, seeing more, seeing more clearly, getting assurance, and so that much that he embraced the things of God, he just says, this is what God has said. I know God. I'm going to trust God. Now, this doesn't mean he wasn't standing in line going, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. I don't know. Right? But he's made the commitment. He's going with God. How do I know that? Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He got up the very next day, very early in the morning to go do this. And saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. He takes the faith step, doesn't he? He's going where God has told him to go. His intent is to do what God has told him to do. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now God is enabling him to see more and to see more clearly as he goes on down the line with what God has told him to do. Verse 5, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And what's the next word? We will come back to you. So Abraham apparently has this sense, I have walked with God. I have trusted God. God is good. God is right. I don't know exactly what his plan is. But he promised me Isaac. He made this promise. His word is true. So somehow, some way, we will come back. All right. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. 
And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Okay, God, how do I explain this to my family? <laughs> right. By the way, Isaac is probably a, a, a teenager, most likely at this point. Verse 8, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So he sees more, he sees more clearly, and he has what? An assurance. He has this assurance because he's on the faith side of this decision. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I would say to you that he has embraced God and God's word and God's ways, or he wouldn't have reached for the knife. See, I'm, gonna, I'm embracing what God has told me here. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he, God, said, do not lay your hand on the ladder, do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then, see, there's another word. It's an afterword, the then word. After this, is then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide as it is to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And so he saw so more clearly, he was assured and he embraced. By the way, just a, a side note here. God says to him, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. But he didn't have to give his son. But when it came time for God to give his son, he gave him. He was that substitute for us. I want to say to you something. I think at this point in life, Abraham is not the same man he was before. And I don't know how much anguish went along with this whole thing. I can't help it. There had to be a lot of anguish and turmoil. But he was doing what God said. And God showed himself very, very faithful. So Abraham is changed. In fact, let me just say that. I think that as we walk by faith with the Lord, not only do we see more and see more clearly and find assurance, and, and then it led to embrace God and his word, his ways, but it leads to a changed perspective on life. It changes your perspective on life. And it's a good thing. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're almost done. Hang in there with me. Hebrews 11, let's start in verse 17. That's page 1382 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Look at this. Concluding. How do he do this? Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. But so it tells us that Abraham, way over here someplace on this side of the decision, I can go sacrifice my son because God can raise him from the dead. No, it does not compute, right? 
But after faith decision, facing a lifetime of faith, he concluded it was logical. It was logical to Abraham. God made a promise. God is going to keep his promises. God is faithful. If he actually has me sacrifice Isaac, he's made some promises about Isaac, he can raise him from the dead. I can trust God here. And thank God he didn't have to sacrifice his own son. But it was logical for Abraham to do it. And it says, and he received him in a figure because the Son of God came one day, took our place on the cross and died and rose again. And so in a sense, Abraham saw this ahead of time somehow, some way. Now look up in verse 13. It's talking about Abraham. It's talking about others as well. So these all died in faith. Let's stop right there. Died in faith. This means they were what? They were living this life of making decisions. Here's what God says. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust it. A life of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. In other words, they weren't all completely fulfilled yet, but having seen them afar off. Because they took a step of faith and believed God's promises, they were able to see more and to see more clearly. And then they were assured of them. As they walk with God and see this, then they get this assurance. And not only were they assured of them, they what? Embrace them. Because God led them to a place where it was so obvious and so clear to them that this is the way to do it. Embrace these things. And then, and confessed, and this is the changed perspective, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Strangers and pilgrims. What's the natural human perspective about this life? This life is what's important, isn't it? It's the here and now. This is what's most important. But as we begin to take faith steps and walk with God and we experience all these things, it will change our perspective to where we really begin to realize that, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm a stranger here. I'm a foreigner. That's what stranger means, is I'm a foreigner. That means this isn't where I, my ultimate home is. My home is somewhere else. And by the way, foreigners are strange sometimes. True? Well, we're strange sometimes in the eyes of the world. Because we're living on this side of this faith decision. And he said, not always we're strange, we're pilgrims. And you know what a pilgrim is? It's a traveler who is on his way to a holy place. And that's what we are. We're on the way to an eternity with the Father. And this life is preparation for that. And so the way you prepare for this is you make these faith decisions. Faith decisions that will enable you to see more, to see more clearly. God will give you assurance as you walk with him in those things. And he will bring you to the point in your experience with him, wow, we, I, I'm going to embrace this. this. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. And then he will change your perspective on all of life. And that's a good thing. Let me say as we close, the first perspective, the first place this needs to happen for you is to receive Christ as Savior. That's the first place here you are in this world to realize that I'm a sinner. I've sinned against holy God. I don't know how to fix this. I can try to maybe get the scales to balance. I can try, and none of that's true. None of that works. It's about coming to understand something, that Jesus is the Son of God, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rose again from the dead. And God says, if you will... Place your trust in this, in him. 
receive Christ as Savior, that he'll forgive every sin, give eternal life, and, and move inside of you and begin helping you to grow and change. So you know this. And then you make a decision, a personal decision, I am going to trust this and receive Christ as Savior. That's the starting point for all the rest of this. And if, if you have questions about that, please talk to me or somebody you know here. We'd love to help you settle that issue in your life. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the great example of Abraham. Thank you for including in his story ways that he struggled and things he, ways he failed. But Father, overall, he, he led this awesome life of faith. And I pray that we will too, Father, stir our hearts, call us today to look at the decisions in our lives that we are going to to trust you, take steps of faith and go forward. And we might experience all the things that Abraham experienced in seeing, being assured, embracing, and then you continuing to change our whole perspective on life. You're worthy of this in our lives, Father. Don't let us have peace if we try to live any other way. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Go look at life through the eyes of faith.